Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. My name is Jackie Ford and I am a coach, mentor, trainer and obviously a podcaster. Um, This week's episode, episode 45, is just a wee bit different. I wanted to talk about some of the clients that I'm seeing currently and I have been seeing over the years. For over 30 years, I've been working with people who have habits and addictions, people who have anxiety or who are stressed or who are depressed. People who are finding it difficult to settle into life, to enjoy life. And what I've noticed about the vast majority of these people is either they are having some form of spiritual awakening or they're already awakened. So let's take a step back. All of my life, I have been very intuitive. I've been able to look at people and without even recognising, I've been able to tell whether they're in a good mood or a bad mood, whether they're lying to me, whether they are upset and hiding it. I have intuitively listened to the language they use, the tone of their voice, the movements in their face, and been able to read way more information than they are giving me. I remember being 10 years old and on a bus. I was travelling through an area in Glasgow called Scotston Hill. And as I looked out of the bus window, I saw an old man. He had a hump on his back. He wasn't dressed particularly well. And he was standing at the bus stop with everyone else just waiting for the bus to come. And I remember crying as I watched him. I remember people moving away from him being scared of him because he looked different. I remember feeling pain. I can feel it now. And how society, if you are physically different or you are emotionally different or you are on the spectrum, society fears you. They don't understand. And it's easier to persecute than to understand. And as I watched this man, people were moving away. He looked ashamed. He looked sad. He looked alone. And I remember coming home and I wrote a poem 
about how I felt about this man. And I was only 10 years old, nine or 10 years old. I've still got that poem. I'll look it out and share it with you. Now, the reason I'm talking about this today is because more and more I can see that my clients are either having a spiritual awakening or they are already awake. They are frightened of their own experience. They can see thought. They know that they are not that thought. Yet they get caught up in it. They second guess themselves. They think they're going crazy. They believe that something is wrong with them. And that was my journey. I was an absolute self-help addict because I thought I needed fixed. I thought I was broken. I thought that nobody else in the world was like me. They weren't aware of the thoughts in their heads. They couldn't see them. But I thought those thoughts were me. Like I said, I could tell people's emotions. I didn't like being in crowds. I loved solitude. I liked being my own. In fact, I would go to conferences when I worked in the corporate sector and I would kid everybody on that I had people poison because after, you know, like a few hours, I just, it, it was noisy. It was, it just wasn't comfortable. And I would put my iPod on and I would listen to music just to distract me. And I'm creating this podcast today because I just want you to consider something when you're working with others. Now, I know in principles community, people say, well, that's a label, they're, they're, they're an empath. But do you know what the wonderful things about labels are? They point you in a direction. So whether you're using a label of an empath, whether you're using the label of um, depression or anxiety, um, an addict, whatever you're using, it points people in a general direction. Now, when I'm working with people, the label is the label, but it's not who I see in front of me. It's not who I'm working with. I'm working with a soul. I'm working with someone who's exactly the same as me. They operate in exactly the same way as me. They are no different. Whether they are five years old or whether they are 95 years old, there is no difference. That's the level I work at. Not at the level of a human being, but at a soul. Someone who is sitting in their own innate well-being and has just forgotten it. So I thought it'd be useful to share just a couple of stories, a couple of client stories that will help you see and perhaps open your eyes too to some of the people that you're working with or yourself or a member of the family. I don't know. The first person I want to tell you about is a young woman. She was only 15 years old when I started to work with her. Her parents had got divorced. And 
she was living with her mother and her father lived somewhere else. And her father had a, a new partner. And the new partner wasn't interested in having this young woman as part of their life. So at a tender age, a young age, an impressionable age, she had had an experience that had rocked her idea of her world. And she didn't like the feeling that she was living in. She hated it. It was horrible. But she didn't know what to do about it. She didn't want to talk to her mum. She obviously really couldn't relate to her dad. And her friends just didn't understand. And she found a way to alleviate the discomfort, the noise in her head, to help it quiet down. She started to self-harm. In her mind, a thought would come into her head when she was feeling really uncomfortable. So the first time she noticed anything was a feeling of feeling sad or unhappy or lonely or depressed. And then another thought would pop into her head. If I just cut myself, then that feeling will go away. I'll feel something else. And she would take a knife and she would draw that knife across her skin. And she would feel relief afterwards. She had a thought, she was uncomfortable. She had a thought that the way to deal with being uncomfortable was to cut herself. She had a thought, I feel better at the end of it. But that feeling, that uncomfortable feeling would always come back because she wasn't dealing with what was going on. And I'm not talking about the content of her thinking. I'm talking about her human experience, her human psychological experience. She wasn't understanding what was happening. So after her first call together, she started to see how she was creating her experience in the moment. And she didn't self-harm for a couple of weeks. And then one day at college, she was really tired. She hadn't had a good night's sleep the night before. She'd went to college and some of her friends were just being bitches. She was picking up on their energy. She was picking up on what was going on beyond what they were saying. She was feeling really incredibly uncomfortable. She held it together for most of the day progressively becoming more and more exhausted. And the last lecture of the day was a lecture about suicide prevention. And she was just so worn out, so tired, that she took a craft knife from the room and she went into the toilets at college and she cut herself. Not recognising that the knife she was using this time 
was much sharper than anything she'd ever used before. She cut herself deeply and had to go to hospital to have stitches. We were due to speak that evening. And our mum said, she's been admitted to hospital, she'll be here tonight. Maybe we should leave it. And I said, no, 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 please let me speak to her tonight. So she came on the call with me. There was no judgment. I just asked her what happened. And she explained. She explained what was going on in her world, why she was feeling the way she was feeling, why she just didn't feel comfortable. And she defaulted to an old program, an absolute old program that told her what she thought she was meant to do. And I mentioned to her, I said, you know, we're all like this. We all have a default. We all have a space that we go to when we're not comfortable. Sometimes it is clear for us and some of the time it just isn't. It's so unconscious that we're doing it before we even recognise we're doing it. We're taking these gifts of mind, thought and consciousness and we're misunderstanding them. When I used to get upset, when I couldn't understand what was going on, when I was lost in thought, when I was overwhelmed, I told her I used to reach for a pie, <laughs> something to eat. And she laughed. I said, some people reach for alcohol. Some people watch porn. Some people become sex addicts. Some people overexercise. Every human being on this planet has a space that they go to when they're not comfortable to feel a different feeling. It's now been about five years and she never ever self-harmed again because she understood she was more awake than most of her peers. She understood how the psychological system works in tandem with our spiritual nature. She now understood that she was more evolved, so she was more kind, more compassionate with other people. She was firmly grounded in her own understanding. Most, if not all, of the children and adults that I've worked with who have any kind of eating disorder, any kind of self-harm, any kind of anxiety or depression, are awake. They can hear the noise in their head and they think it's giving them facts, things to do, information that they must do something about rather than just let it pass, let it leave. 
And our job as coaches and trainers and parents and aunts and uncles and teachers is to teach our children and other souls not to be afraid of their own experience. As Sid Bank says, if the only thing we learned was not to be afraid of our own experience, that alone would change the world. Are you an empath? Are you just more spiritually awake? It's just a label. Can you see more than other people? Can you feel more than other people? It's a gift. And that gift in association with this understanding helps us all become more grounded, helps us all hold our experience of life more lightly. It allows us to laugh to not take these thoughts as seriously as we once did. That is what this understanding will do. Once people really, really feel grounded in it. Empathic children and adults, they spend an awful lot of time thinking. People who are empathic are often the ones that are told they spend too much time in their own heads. They can sometimes be accused of daydreaming and, and tend to be told always to lighten up, be less serious. Young people and people that are starting to wake up are, are, are analysing every aspect of their existence, trying to make sense of the world around them, whilst also revelling in its wonder. Trying to understand duplicity, sarcasm and countless other contradictory behaviours. Ask them. Ask people what they're thinking about. And if they choose to tell you, please listen actively. Show interest in their thoughts. Validate their thought process through this understanding of the principles and ask them challenging and encouraging and respectful questions about them. Encouraging people to become more aware of thought and consciousness can help move them towards happier and more comfortable lives because they understand how they work as human beings without fear, without label. I also worked with a woman who pulled her hair out. It's called trichotillomania. And again, she was a very intuitive woman who had been taught by society that she was highly strung, that she was oversensitive, that she, what she was picking up on wasn't actually what was happening. She was being gaslighted continually by the people around her. She was exhausted. She was confused. She knew intuitively that what she was feeling and seeing was absolute truth, yet she was constantly being told by others that it wasn't. Others who were not as spiritually awake as she was. 
and she felt that she needed to find a way to feel better. So what she did was, she looked again for a different feeling and she would take a hair on her head and she would just play with the hair, enjoying how the hair felt in her hand. So the thought came to play with her hair and she would sit and do that for quite a while. And then another thought would come that said, if you pluck this hair out, you will feel better. And then another thought would come in. It was like, just do it, just do it. You'll feel better. This is what you want to do. And she would do it. And she would pull that hair out. And she would examine the hair. And in that moment, feel better that this tension that she felt had built up in her had been relieved by pulling out hair. But then that feeling would come back again. And she would do it again and again and again and again until she had bald patches on the back of her head. She was a young, very attractive woman and was very, very self-conscious about this bald patch on the back of her head. By teaching her and sharing with her this understanding that thought creates feeling, whether we're conscious of it or not. We have these biochemical changes that happen with our bodies through thought that we don't have to act on. We can let these thoughts and feelings flow through us one by one. We spoke about the principles, but in a way, an ordinary way that just made absolute sense to her through metaphor and through story. That every human being has thought. Thought happens to us. We don't know where these thoughts are coming from. Thought is, is it, it's a principle, it's, it's just a fact, it's just what happens to all sentient beings. Scientists tell us that we have, you know, up to 90,000 thoughts a day. We don't pay attention to all of them. But yet the ones we pay attention to become the script of our life. And when we become aware of those thoughts, they're clear to us that it's just information flowing through. Nothing to do. Unless innately, through wisdom, intuition, we're guided to do something. She began to see that she was living in the feeling of her thinking constantly, reacting constantly, not responding to life, reacting to life. And through this simple understanding and just a couple of sessions that were filled with laughter and love and non-judgment and 
no labelling that there was anything wrong with her. Because I know there by the grace of God go you and go I. She began to heal. She began to see that she wasn't broken, that nobody needed to fix her. She just had to understand that beautiful balance between her spiritual nature and her psychological experience, which is the one thing, the one thing that when we get this right, when we get this right, and we don't get it right all the time, when we get it right from moment to moment, life just flows so much more easily. We're less caught up in our feelings. We're less caught up in our thinking. We live from a space of love and understanding. We're more accepting. We're not judgmental. We just are. I've worked with people from ages of five, as I said, up to the age of 95. I've worked with schizophrenics, people with bipolar disease, people who claim that they have multiple personalities, people with anxiety, depression, drug addiction, um, people with habits and addictions that they've been treated by the normal healthcare system for over 30 years. Drugs, strategies, treatments, modalities. They've been through it all. Some have even been told they'll never ever get better. I've worked with anorexics, with people with eating disorders. I've worked with leaders, politicians, artists, celebrities, you name it. And I'm telling you right now, we all work the same way. Some of us are in the process of waking up. Some of us are already awakened. And when you cannot understand how you work from the inside out, that can be incredibly confusing. I would have labelled myself as an empath. But here's the thing, I feel life deeply, I love deeply, I think deeply. I'm no longer bothered about being in crowds or being around too many people. I don't get caught up in any of that anymore. Because I know that's a story. It's a story of who I think I am, rather than my essence. So if this understanding can help someone who's been treated with some kind of psychological disorder for 30 years, and within about four to six sessions, they see something new and something fresh, then this is the direction that I'm going to constantly work in, point people in and show them. I hope you will too.